Hello, and welcome to Roll and Roll. I'm your host, Brad Hendrickson, and tonight we have a special episode. Uh, once again, we're kind of in that time of season where people are busy and things are out and about. So unfortunately, Austin isn't with us tonight, so we decided... Why not just talk about the games that we love, uh, you know, these role-playing games? So tonight, I'm joined by Seth and Tesca, and I'm going to interview them uh, about RPGs. So We're ready. Hit us with your questions. Doing great, Brad. Good. As always. Glad to be off of work. Yeah, Friday feels good. Fridays do feel really good. <laughs> It's actually interesting. Um, we were talking about this last night. We have I play another Dungeons and Dragons session, right? And so since we're talking about D and D, I figure this is a uh, prevalent. Um, so uh, on last night we were talking, and we we play on Sunday nights, right? Which is the end of the weekend. Which normally on Sunday nights you're like, oh man, I got to go back to work on Monday. It's gonna suck, right? But the like most exciting thing that happens on my weekend is usually playing D&D that night, right? So normally it's like, oh, everybody's excited for the first part of the weekend, but actually all of my excitement is on the end because D&D's awesome. And but, then you stay up to 1 a.m. and come home and wake up grumpy because you got four or five hours of sleep. Right, but it's worth it. <laughs> and then I have to DM that night for a different <laughs> session on Monday night, which is brutal. All right, so I'm really curious. You know, Tesco, we grew up together, and I think mm -hmm. we kind of – our stories kind of parted way around what uh, middle school, high school. Yeah. And so I remember getting my first Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 player handbook when I think I was in like uh, sixth grade. I had no mm -hmm. idea what I was looking at, but I got it. <laughs> um, when did you kind of pick up RPGs? Oh man. So recently um, in college, we really got into board gaming in general um, I mean, just the basics in college, Catan and stuff. Um, we played a lot of werewolf. Um, and we even have some really sweet werewolf cards we got off of Etsy. If you're unfamiliar with werewolf, whether you're listening to this or your name is Brad, it's like Mafia. <laughs> um, if you're familiar with the like uh, secret identity game yeah. Mafia. Um, if you're not familiar, super fun game, look it up. But we play it we play it much more narratively. Um, like each person, we play with more than just the basic sheriff um and werewolf and uh wizard um, we add in a lot more characters and um, a lot of people we play with are creative and you know when you, it's time to give your defense when you're put on trial and you're trying to say i'm not the werewolf you know we have people making up crazy stories about how they spent the night baking bread so of course they have to be innocent or they took a very long bath and um so i guess that was kind of like our first little dip into like the rpg life and then what about our story Writing. Is that too, too deep? Is that too deep? <laughs> that was a really long time ago. Seth and I started talking before we were dating, um, and the way we would text is we would write out like a little scenario, like you're walking through the woods one day, and then you come across a, a red-looking mushroom on the ground, but it kind of shimmers. What do you do? And so we would type messages back and forth to each other like that, always ending in a question. Right. And, I mean, that's kind of RPG-like. Yeah. I made a little book of it for one of our anniversaries. That's adorable. Um, yeah, it's, it was so fun. It was so fun. Um, and then I It got really complicated at the end. Like, there were serious, like, because there was characters that oh, were yeah. developing. 
and we were both writing about the characters. Yeah. So they begin to began to develop, and we were kind of romantically interested in one another. Yes, and that's how we yeah played that out to where we didn't have to tell each other we liked each other. We were telling like, like, my told character. You I liked you. What would you say? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Nerds from the beginning. Yeah. But that was good. And then when Seth got into the the Star Wars RPG, almost two years ago now. Yeah. Um, that's when I'd first heard of it, but I didn't really play anything. I don't know. It was shortly after that. We played some D&D-esque little like one shots or we have this adventure with Benjamin the talking sword that's still uncompleted that one day we'll save him and right. return him to a normal person. Or not. Or not. I don't we'll know. We'll see. I hope we do. So like two years ago we really kind of got into the RPG life. Yeah. Seth, did you have any like uh, in high school the those secret basement Dungeons and Dragons game? Did you did you do any of that? Um, so I, I don't want to get any controversial Seth ter- territory. Been killed. What? <laughs> oh, what? What do you mean? Uh, but anyway, we um, when when I was a kid, I grew up in a a, a Christian home, right, and kind of a Southern Baptist. Um, environment, right? And I don't know if you guys are familiar, whether you're in the audience or your name is Brad, uh, <laughs> but back in the 80s, um, a movement kind of arose that was very much opposed to everything D&D, like specifically D&D. Um, they, they compared it to the occult and yada yada. Well, a lot of that influenced uh, my parents. So when I was growing up, um, magic was very taboo, like we didn't, we didn't, you know, read books that had magic in them or um, things like that. Um, however, that didn't really stop me from playing essentially what Dungeons and Dragons were, was. Um, so I remember very distinctly, I would tape pieces of printer paper together mm-hmm. to, and then draw on them a map. And I would sit there with my younger brother and my younger sisters um, and for those of you who don't know, I have nine siblings, so there were a plethora of players, um, <laughs> even if one got exhausted. And we would sit there and play. Um, we like we would. I'd be like, okay, so here's how we play. You point at somewhere on the map, and then I will like tell a story about that place on the map, and you get to play a character. And and it started off as just the map, but then I realized I was like, well, they needed they need to keep track of all the stuff they find. Mm-hmm. So I gave them what would be a, a character sheet. Um, and I think I didn't know what D and D was at the time. And I'm not trying to like claim I invented D and D on my own in this like <laughs> shut off environment, but I think it was influenced heavily by the video games that my friends had. So like I'd go hang out with friends like the storytelling and we time. didn't have video games growing up, but they had video games. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'd see what they were doing. And I was like, man, how can I recreate that at home? Without and, a video game. Right. With I, Like, I don't have a PlayStation. I don't have an Xbox. And I don't definitely don't have a Nintendo. Um, and so uh, to, to recreate those environments, I would, uh, like, you know, customize my own role-playing experience. Um, but then after that, uh, it kind of dropped off from being a kid, right? Because mm-hmm. imagination kind of shrinks as you start to think other things are more important. Um so high school, I didn't play any RPGs, um, but when I got to college, um, my best friend in college introduced me kind of to video game RPGs, 
Um, so I played Dragon Age. Um, I was kind of blown away by that. Uh, games like Bioshock, which are I think, very story-driven. T- but um, and then um, and then my I think like junior year, I got invited. So it's funny, I got invited to be a DM. I didn't get invited invited to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> You'd never played before. I never played before, and he was like, "Hey, uh, Seth. So here's the thing: we've got this D and D session, and I'm the DM, and I'm kind of tired of it. So I want you to learn how to be a DM. Wow. And then you can just run sessions for <laughs> us. And um, I think it kind of sparked from we really love tabletop gaming in general, mm-hmm. and so we had really gotten into Catan at the time and another uh, game called what a, Dominion. What a first step in our board game. Yeah, game. yeah, Catan for Dominion. sure. <laughs> and um, and so we had gotten into those games, and so peop- I was always teaching rules, right, which is a very, like, DM thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that's yeah, kind of yeah. what pigeonholed me into being a DM before I was ever a player. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then Star Wars kicked up. Uh, Star Wars, we, we started a fantasy flight, Star Wars... Uh, Force and Destiny mm-hmm. campaign about two years ago, but anyway, I feel long-winded now. <laughs> no, that that is a really interesting story. Mainly, you know, talking about being a kid and in essence, you know, you talk about how you don't want to claim you reinvented D and D, but it's interesting how Dungeons and Dragons back in the seventies is created. Eventually, video games come along using the format, and then you re, you know, in a sense, distills back to a young boy kind of trying to find the core essence yeah. of role-playing games that were made from D&D, and you kind of right. found that on your own. That's I didn't know that. That's really fun. Yeah, no, it's it's a pretty cool. I value that memory, um, and I hope that my brothers and sisters do too. <laughs> it wasn't just me beating up on them with bears and snakes they found in the woods. But, uh... <laughs> Have you ever like gone back to any of them and be like, hey, you remember that thing I did as a kid? Well, here's the real thing. Like, do you, Have you ever... Yeah, so um, I... Uh, when I mean, we got super fired up about RPGs when mm-hmm. we kind of discovered them because I, I think the roots of RPGs are is storytelling, Which in my like opinion. Some people don't share thing. that, right? Yeah, but it's a very old tradition of storytelling. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was okay. So we live about three hours from where I grew up, and uh, my sisters go to college near where we live. Mm-hmm. So we were driving back for a holiday, oh, yeah. and it was me, Tesca. And then my two younger sisters, one's a freshman in college, one's a sophomore in college. And they're both, you know, like super, you know, college kids, millennials, kind of like, uh, you know, cool kids. And I was like, hey, guys, um, you know, we're going to be in the car for three hours together. Do you guys want to play an RPG? Because I would mentioned it before. And um, they thought we were weird. And, and they remembered, I think Naomi remembered, would remember me playing like yeah. asking her to be a character but they would have been very young at the time of that story that older other story yeah um but yeah we we they, we in essence we like spent probably an hour and a half creating characters yeah there was no sheet but it was like okay so tell me about your character what do they look like what race are they What's all these things yeah. and so we ended up what with what like a, a gnome i was a gnome you were a gnome there was a fairy yes he and there was a, a uh half-elf. a half elf with a brother who sold jam yeah <laughs> and so like <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I, in, in essence, like we have kind of come back to that, and they know that I'm a part of that world. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I should mention that, like, I mentioned that my parents were very against it when we were growing up. Um, I think that they are, they still have concerns about it. Right. Um, because I think some of that bleeds over. Right. Um, but they've become more, um, more like. Uh, 
open-minded to it yeah, based sure. on our conversations about how right. we play and how it's good for right. building community with our friends. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And that's the, one of the main reasons we do it is like uh, we, we have very deep friendships formed with people we hardly knew when we started playing. Mm-hmm. So. No, that leads to a really interesting point. You know, I'm someone who's attempting to go, you know, and be a missionary abroad. Mm-hmm. I've spent way too much money on this Bible degree. Uh, <laughs> I'm questioning some life choices at this point. Uh, but that's something I had to reconcile. What is that line where you have a, an imaginary world where uh, a pantheon of deities and morality can be a little bit fuzzy and your characters are doing things that you might not necessarily want to do or uh, uh, support. So I guess as Christians yourself, how do you kind of view it all? What What's the lens that you bring to the table uh, when making character choices or dealing with deities, you know, imaginary deities? Yeah. Um, I think, so specifically when I was uh, creating Safi, um, I mean, I started her off with, um, having, I mean, she had some sort of encounter with, with a God figure, um, uh, Sylvanus. And I was trying to think through that, like, um, this is different than what I'm used to. There's a lot of gods in these worlds. Um, and it was the way that I pictured her interacting with him, um, was I put myself in the mindset of how, like, I come to my God and I ask him for something and I plead with him um, um, for like different things that are going on um, in my life. And so like, I kind of use my relationship with God to help me figure out like how Safi would approach it, I guess. Um, But it's not something that I get like consumed with like, Oh, there's all these gods and I have to, you know, balance them and, and figure them all out. And that's, that's something my character is necessarily interested in, mostly because I'm not like that deep into it. Um, but like, I definitely use like my experience and my attitude towards God and like m- maybe how Staffy would approach it. I don't. That's a tough question. Yeah, um, I think it's really important to um, to separate the two things um, very clearly in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there is danger. In like if you get too into anything, you right. can any too much of anything can really become a, a bad thing. Um, so I wouldn't be so I I wouldn't be so concerned about the the fact that there are pantheons of gods so much as do you does this world does this fantasy world consume your life so much that you like disregard the responsibilities mm-hmm. of real life? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I mean. Things like uh, things like pantheons of gods. I think uh, when you when it comes to storytelling, um, I it's think it's just a story. Yeah, it's just a story. Just like you know, going to see the next Marvel movie or the next Star Wars movie. Right. It's just a story, and to take it in that um, in that light. Um, and I think I don't know. I think God. I, I I don't want to say anything theologically incorrect, but I think God has an appreciation for the stories that we write, uh, whether they include him as the main god or other gods um as long as we're not worshiping them i think Mm -hmm. i think he's probably interested in 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 what we come up with but 
No, I'm I'm definitely in line with that. Uh, is that we have this gift, you know, God, you know, we read in Genesis that, you know, God gives humanity uh, creativity. And I'm like, D&D, you know, it is that almost at uh, on the oral level, that purest form of creation. You know, you, we get to create our own worlds. And right. I, you know, coming to, to making worlds and creating, you know, I'm a little bit responsible for creating those pantheons or allowing yeah, them to yeah. exist in the space. And I have, and I've kind of decided that, you know, along with other writings that I've done, is that I want the worlds that I make for D and D or the worlds that I make for books to have reflections of reality, because mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. one of the most amazing things that RPGs do is that they give you a chance to play the scenario out of reality in a safe space. Mm -hmm. And so I've never kind of at this point, I'm never afraid to have characters that have addictions or view the world differently than me or don't have the faith, same faith system that I do because sure. I want to wrestle with that. I want mm -hmm. to see how myself and maybe others like deal with these things. And so I can take that, you know, in essence, a fantasy or an imaginary interaction with somebody that I might disagree with, uh, in a, uh, a moral stance or decision, the decisions that they make and mm -hmm. come out of that and grow from it uh, in a safe environment. So I think, you know, if anybody ever asked me, it's like, Brad, you're, you're this Christian and you want to be a preacher. How is it okay that your characters can drink in D and D? And I'm like, cause people drink and, <laughs> right. and, I, and I need to learn to deal with that. I need to understand yeah. what that means. And mm -hmm. this is a safe environment to, to play that out because no one's actually getting drunk. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think there's another thing that's really, uh, I guess, how my faith informs the way that I create a character specifically. Um, I consistently play a character who is not dark. Mm -hmm. um, I know, I, I'm not saying I have anything against characters who are dark. Right. Um, but I think that when you come to a storytelling environment like this, mm -hmm. right, and you're sitting down with other people who want to have a good time, if you bring the bad guy character that's hanging out with the good guys, that's just not going to be as, as like uplifting in your life, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so like D and D is an outlet for fun. So if you are bringing a very divisive character to the table um, who wants to, you know, murder people all the time, the murder hobo, if you, <laughs> if you, if you are familiar, um, I think that that it, it takes away from what, like what D and D can be. That being said, I think that there are some really cool, dark characters that are out there. Mm -hmm. um, I just personally don't play them because that's, you know, I don't, when I come to the table. It's not your cup of tea. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want to be bogged down with darkness and like the fact that my character doesn't really care about life mm -hmm. um, and things like that. So I think that that's one of the ways that my faith informs my character decisions. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. No, yeah, I, I think that's one of the amazing things about role-playing games is that you take five-plus people, uh, you know, there are stream shows out there that have, you know, eight, nine people that are all playing D&D. &D. They all have these different lives and these different right. mindsets. Then you double down on that so people with different mindsets and views are playing people of different mindsets and different views. Sure. You start sure. throwing in a mix of moralities and ethics and decisions and you have to grow up and learn how yeah. to deal with them yeah. and be sure. productive. You know, we have a goal 
as a, as a table one to have fun. So you have mm-hmm. to sit there and be right. like, I don't agree with you, but I'm going to do what's appropriate for us to enjoy the night and to get along and to have sure. fun. Sure. So I, that's something that I've always absolutely loved about D and D. And that's why I almost encourage people go play a role-playing game with somebody you don't like. Yeah. You're going to have to no. learn how to deal with them and you're going to learn how to be like, I'm going to have fun. We're going to work this out and we're going to enjoy tonight. And so, yeah. Yeah. And also being a DM in this kind of environment to piggyback off what you're saying is um, I see both myself when I'm a DM and when I'm a player, as well as the other players around me grow as people as a result of their character. Mm -hmm. Right. So they come into an encounter that maybe exemplifies something that's going on in their life Mm -hmm. or something that could go on in their life. And it gives them a perspective on something that, that could be very real. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that's like death um, or, I mean, I I don't know if those two things pair up the reality of death and then, you know, fantasy world death. But I think that those things become um, easier to manage if you've dealt them, dealt with them in a Mm -hmm. game. A better example might be an interview, right? So like interviews, I think, are one of the most difficult and scary things for a lot of people um, if they're seeking a job in real life. Mm-hmm. But in D&D, you're constantly interacting with NPCs, which are characters such as the, the, interview. the interviewer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they may not like you, and you kind of have to navigate that relationship. And so I think that there's a lot of like very practical social mm-hmm. development that can happen in players' lives. Yeah. So to kind of move and zero in on Acclaim a little bit, so the campaign that we're currently playing, I'm kind of curious is now that we've gotten 12 episodes at this point, we've gotten 12 recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the things that y'all are really, you know, to make, my, make myself feel better, uh, the things that you're <laughs> really latching on to, uh, what are the things that you're kind of really enjoying about this run of role playing? Um, uh, I really enjoy Safi. She's. she's I don't great. really like the world. Brad. No, 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 I just no, no, like no. my character. Just, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. I am really excited for exploring like further of her story and like tracking down answers to like what killed her people and stuff. And I, I don't know. I really enjoy that so far. I've never gotten to play like a super stickler by the book. For the greater good type character who's also kind of socially awkward right <laughs> and two feet tall um but like seeing like the other characters like oh man like that's that's kind of where where Safi fits in and where she needs to be to help like the story progress so just finding like her niche and finding out who she is in this world um, based on things that have happened and the people she's interacting with it's super fun to see like where she's going. Cause I don't always know where she's going <laughs> or how, especially how like drip will react to things. Um, and Safi does not always like how drip deals with certain things and to have to confront him or call him out or try and rally him to help the people. Um, that's all been, <laughs> very much a challenge um but i've really enjoyed it so far 
uh, for me, the thing that I'm probably most excited about is um, <laughs> the things that uh, the things that bind us together. So I guess the moments that bind us together, um, whether they're lar- like large, grand story arc moments mm-hmm. where we learn more about the greater scheme of the story as players. Right, like who's Ragnarok? So got to figure that out. Right. Um, or is something as simple as like small conversations we have with, with other PCs mm-hmm. or NPCs. Um, specifically in exploring Aklium, I think that uh, I think that I'm, I'm really interested, and this is going to sound bad because he just left. I'm very interested in Azarbo, Azarbo's like community mm-hmm. um, and like uh, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to say this because I don't think this is necessarily true, but Azarbo, in my mind, very much feels like the main character. And because really? he's got a very... Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure that it looks different from different perspective, perspectives, but I think that Azarbo, in my mind, feels very much like the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been it's been hard without him just because he has such a, he, such a, a strong... Presence. Yeah, purpose and direction, and he's very sure of himself. And he can kind of keep dripping line, right? Which and he Staffy can. liked yeah. up until this point. No, it's their banter is really good. So <laughs> that I guess the Aklium world is. I, I'm really excited to see how Azarbo's quest goes. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, transplanting a people group and like inter- inserting it somewhere else, mm-hmm. I think, is a really cool concept and has a lot of really cool. St- story moments that are also kind of awkward and maybe could go poorly it's but like that drop in the ocean and just like yeah, whoosh, whoosh, yeah. All yeah. The ripples. so i think that i think that is our bow's story and <laughs> <laughs> now that now that durell is gone i will never know <laughs> no but I, I guess he's gonna come back he's gone for a little while he'll be yeah. we we keep in touch he's excited to be a new dad yeah, he yeah. a lot, and uh yeah, that he does. speaking of of the banter between you know Drapim and azarbo is that you know listeners might not know that Darrell and Austin do not know each other outside of this oh, game. Yeah. A lot That's of us true. are really getting to know each other through this game. That's true. Um, and so that whole banter back and forth is on the fly, and it's yeah, really and not even in person. Like that is is crazy how yeah. well they do it. Yeah, it's it. It was a struggle for me. You know, I had to autopilot Azarbo there for a little bit. Uh-huh. And I had to sit there. Be with careful. The res- <laughs> yeah, I had to sit there with the responsibility of that relationship. And like, oh, man, I got to I gotta be careful what I say. Uh, and so I really, really tried to stick true to that that character. And I thought Darrell brought an amazing character to the table. He does. Oh, yeah. all, all did. And I loved his backstory, you know. Sure. Um, I've played a lot of characters that are revenge plots or the orphan of the street, you know, Mm -hmm. these really kind of easy characters to play because they don't have attachments so they can be free and and move about. Mm -hmm. But Darrell really stepped it up and said, you know, brought this whole, I need to move my people. So he has a whole people group. He has family. He has reasons to stay home, but he brought in that, that neat twist. Yeah. Y'all are right. I'm, I'm really interested I've got some ideas uh, based off what Darrell yeah. originally gave me, and so I've got I've got a couple of fun ideas that you know might bring that through the campaign. Uh, nice. No, it's it's kind of really fun. Um, I don't not, without ever giving too much away. I've definitely kept everybody's backstory in mind because I think that is so sad when a player comes to the table and they've 
created this interesting backstory with unanswered mm-hmm. questions and and you know they want to solve the mystery or find the person or something like that and then the dm kind of just like that's really neat here's my story and they throw it out the window <laughs> yeah uh i feel like that's a real shame to backstories and i also feel like it's really distracting because you're gonna have a character be like well i need to figure out who these bad people are who uh you know killed my wife and sure the, you know the dungeon master is like no no you have to go kill the wizard uh, yeah it's a real it kind of splits the character and uh, so no yeah I, and i, I know def- that you go definitely ahead. heard you guys and, and what you've kind of created and i have full intentions of you know either leaving things unanswered purposefully you know and you know in almost an aggregate aggravating or a frustrating way or to to see them to fulfillment yeah um it's interesting you mentioned uh i think that that's one of the things that's probably been most challenging about the world and if that was one of the questions you were going to ask, I'm sorry that I just put it in there. But um, one of the things that's most challenging probably is the fact that when we created the characters, we didn't really think, hey, your character and my character, we need a reason to hang out. Oh, yeah. And so all of our characters have very different goals right now. Um, I, I think some of them, you know, saddle on up next to one another better than others for sure. Um but I think that I think that each each session can be a struggle to think, okay, so how am I going to convince my character, you know, with the with the circumstances we're in, mm-hmm. to not just go and do something different, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I think that that's important in terms of story building and character development, but can be really difficult to manage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the. I've, you know, DM'd a lot of games and especially very intro, intro level games or intro level characters. And I've always told anybody who's creating a character, and this is free tip to anybody out there who's DMing or creating a character for, for any type of role playing game, have a reason for them mm-hmm. to adventure that I know a lot of people like playing the tough loner that has their own story and they're going to do their own thing. That's cool. And that's great. But it, you got to have an aspect or a reason why they're going to go on this adventure, they're going to be in this world, that they're going to follow along. Because as much as, you know, we talk about dealing with realism and reality and dealing with people of, you know, pulling uh, uh, priorities, uh, mm-hmm. eh, some of that's got to give. Some of, some of it's got to give so we can play the game and we can have some fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going to double down on what Brad said. If you're out there and you're about to build a character and you're listening to this in this very moment, stop what you're doing and change everything about your character so that he's best friends with every single person in the party <laughs> because you can really create a black hole of boredom. And like even when if you're not bored, you're going to be mad at your other characters just because you know mm-hmm. they're out there having a good time. And you're over here brooding like you're Batman. <laughs> and uh, There's a reason everybody hates Batman. In the comics, not outside of the comics. Right. Like in the comic world, yeah, a lot of people are frustrated with Batman because, you know, he is alone and brooding. So, yeah. yeah, free tip out there. You can be a little bit alone and brooding, but you got to have a give point. You got to yeah, have, you gotta have sure. a reason to be there, to play. Um, that is, you know, you know, like I said, it's a balance between reality and, you know, the game. You know, it's okay to be a little broody, but know, know where your line is. You know, yeah. know where to okay, yeah, I'm going to go along in the adventure. I'm going to give in to, to the group uh, morale right. and you know stuff like that. 
Yeah. Or or like if that's if that's what your character if that's your intent is to develop your character out of that mindset, that's awesome. Yeah. That's like that really shows I think that's really good character development. I think that you see that in a lot of popular um, stories that we consume on a regular basis that have characters who start off as like kind of dark and sketchy, mm-hmm. but then they like realize that friendship and community and love, those are the things that really matter. Yeah. Anime so. and the power of friendship. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Oh geez. Uh, character development is my favorite like seeing how something that you originally made and like through the decisions in the games like how your character is going to develop based on the choices that you know you make in game and stuff like that right that's my favorite right and it's so it's so tough i like seth hears every week when we play star wars or we play this i'm always hashing out like Oh, what is what does my character in star wars think what does she feel right now because of these things and mm-hmm. i have to take some time and be like, okay, well, what does she know? You know, that, yeah. you know, what does Tesca know and what does my character know? And right. how can I better help develop her as a character and progress right. her story? Yeah. And just a side note real quick, cause we mentioned Star Wars several times, I think mm-hmm. Star Wars, if you play a Star Wars RPG, whatever system you use, if you're in the Star Wars world, mm-hmm. everything is really weighty, right? Yeah. Unless you're, I mean, if you're playing a Jedi, let me even go further than that. Right. And so I think that's the difference. The biggest difference I've noticed between playing Star Wars and playing D and D is that um, there's a there's a very heaviness to playing a character, light or dark. yeah, who has like the balance of light and dark in their hands mm-hmm. a lot of the time, and playing D and D where it's just like, all right, here's the thing, guys, I think we should probably go over there, right? So like, you know, it's just the characters feel a lot different. And um, I think it's it's helped it's helped me at least develop a better D and D character. Because, like, you will take conflict and go dark side if you do certain actions, even sure. if you do them for the right purpose. Um, so I know, like, with my Star Wars character, um, like, trying to figure out, like, okay, what would make my character, like, turn to the dark side? What is her weakness? What does she struggle with? Um, and, like, how can she combat that? How can she, you know, struggle towards the light side? That has helped me um, think through my actions and like D and D aspects to help that character grow better. So kind of looking back on the game, uh, talking about character decision and choices, do y'all have any regrets so far through Aquilum? Have you sat there and be like, Oh man, I wish I had not done that. Or I wish I had to change this. Uh, anything like that? Hmm. Yeah. When Safi sort of kind of, but didn't really lie to Petricor. <laughs> She told him the truth. Zarbo had an egg for him. Yeah. And he took it so poorly, and I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. I regret that action. I don't know how many people actually listen to the whole this whole podcast, right? And and right. if you are listening right now, and you're like, man, I'm you know eleven episodes deep, and, and here I am. This will be thirteen. This will be thirteen, right? Um, and like you just you're just in love with the world. Awesome. Props to you, right? But I only have one friend. Who listens to this podcast consistently? Yeah, oh, two, because his wife listens. That's that's fair. I have two friends, but one of them that talks about it. <laughs> and um, when he just got to that point where Petricor or where, where Safina lies oh. to Petricor, yeah, and he was like, "I was blown away. I couldn't believe she did it." <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so that, that was that was kind of that was kind of crazy. It's for the greater good. Village of the Hole. Everybody was in danger. Was it, was it really? That? It was. Those things were dangerous. They were unnatural. Sure. 
Petricor, the that thing, we tell ourselves to make ourselves that thing would have been better. a danger. Petricor would not have been able to take care of it properly. Who knows? Probably should have gotten one for him and it would have died in his hands or something. But you know, if Dumbledore had just taken away, stop it. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> uh, um, I think the thing, let's see, anything I regret, um, I think that's the only thing I regret. I think the thing I regret most is probably has to do, I think, with more of the meta game. In that, so one of the hardest things about playing with people that are not sitting next to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for those of you who haven't heard, me, Tesca, and Austin all sit in the same room around the same microphone. That's mm-hmm. why our audio is pretty much garbage. Um, and uh, Darrell and Brad are in, in different, separate locations. And I kind of wish that we were all in separate locations, um, as much as Tesca tells me we can't do that. No, I would suffer. Safi <laughs> yeah. would suffer. And, that, and that's fine. And that's fine. But I think that it's really easy for um, Petricor to interact with Drip because I'm sitting right next to Austin. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for me to interact with Safina because she's right in front of me. Mm-hmm. But Drell and Brad, well, Brad, you're less important because you're not a PC. Sorry, bud. But no, like Drell is not in the room with us. Mm-hmm. And that really, I think early on, I didn't, Petricor didn't interact with him enough Mm -hmm. as much as I think he should have. And that was just like, it wasn't intentional at all, but he just wasn't in the room. So it was easier to talk to the other people. Right, and you'd never met Darrell before. Right, right. And then as kind of, we played a little bit further and further and further, me and and Austin, we we sat down and we're like, dude, Darrell plays really cool character. We really like Darrell. Mm -hmm. Uh, Darrell, if you're listening, we really like you. you passed the test. Yeah, you passed the test. <laughs> um, so we had to, and I think I think this plays out the further you get in, mm-hmm. is that we very much try to interact with Darrell because he's not with us, and we gotta like remember. And that he, he's, he takes more of like a, a stance yeah, himself, as sure. he I'm sure probably felt more comfortable with the group. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. In his place. Yeah, and I think I mean that that killer voice. Though I think that's when the moment where like Zarbo became real for a lot of yeah. a lot of people, and by a lot of people I mean me and Austin and Tesca, um, and it was just like wow, he's got a voice, and like you can see the character a lot yeah. a lot more in your mind. Oh yeah, it. I mean, that was another thing I was scared about when I knew I had to autopilot. It was like, oh crap, I've got to do that. You got to do that voice. I can't do that. Oh man, that was. That was scary. I had Darrell actually texted me after he listened to that episode, and he's like, eh, you're a little pitchy. You need to bring it down. <laughs> of course. He's I thought you did really good. I was really impressed. I don't know if I said that after our session, but I was really impressed with your Zarbo voice, just because I think that that voice is really difficult mm-hmm. to manage. Oh, sure. yeah. Oh, it was it was unique and definitely definitely for Darrell and for Zarbo. Um, well, we'll uh, call it here for tonight. Just a quick interview hanging out with us because uh, sometimes that's what the board game is is you might only roll the dice two or three times but you might hang out all night talking getting to know each other uh, reviewing yes. life you know which is really exciting because all of us are having life uh, some of us are graduating some of us are looking for jobs <laughs> some of us are having babies uh, and that's and, not uh, us just for the record <laughs> <laughs> we are married but Y'all we are not married. <laughs> yeah just, just to clear the air on that in case any obsessed family starts listening <laughs> start getting those text messages from the mother-in-law no my lanta that's a thing <laughs> not the text messages but mentioning it yes oh geez 
but no, and as a DM, I want to thank you all so much for being extraordinary players. Uh, you all bring so much life to Petricor and Safina. Uh, and as a, as a dungeon master, I absolutely love being surprised by characters and uh, not being able to plan accordingly. It gets really boring on my end when I have to say, like, oh, okay, if I just do that, they're going to do this. If I put that, they're going to do that. <laughs> Uh, that's why, you know, it's just this whole cast has been just so phenomenal for this campaign because I'm like, I set something up. We're kind of doing it. That's cool. You know, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> We're in the same ballpark. This is good. Uh, so yeah. that's my last my last little bit of advice for future dungeon masters out there. Let your players surprise you. Don't don't uh, don't make one game that they've got to follow. You'll you'll have so <laughs> much fun when you don't know what's coming next. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Well, thank you all so much for hanging out with me tonight, uh, taking time out of your day. Um, so if we could have an audience that could give you all a big round of applause, it'd be like, give it up for Seth and Pastor <laughs> Michelson. But, and Brad uh, Anderson. Yeah, and me. Brad. Um, but no, uh, until I see y'all next time, and for everybody else out there, grab some dice. Grab you some really good friends like I have and roll up some fun. We'll see y'all real soon. <laughs>